You want to build relationships with people, you better build it right and build the foundation first. I hate when people just dive in with an ask. It's, it's, it's I get it, you're hungry, you want it. I might have done that in my career, but you have to nurture that relationship. You have to build that trust, you have to build that foundation and, and just be patient and wait for the right timing for it. Welcome to Unstoppable, the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of profounding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people, those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Hello, Brian. We are so excited to have Brian Esposito with us. He is founder and president of Esposito Intellectual Enterprises. EIE ultimately became a holding company for 20 years of work, business startups, and investment. Focuses stem from manufacturing, distribution, retail, hospitality, hotel development, restaurants, commercial real estate, the poor, technology, media, energy, oil, and gas, telecom, aviation, space, music, TV, film, education, beauty, medical technology, security, hemp, and fashion. Brian brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to any team with his drive, ethics, passion and connecting executives around the world. And you truly, truly do. You are literally the most impressive person who has an amazing amount of connections. And I'm so excited to have you on the show, the unstoppable show, because Brian Esposito is unstoppable. Thank you, Karina. So with that being said, though, I would love to start off this conversation with knowing a little bit about what has made you become unstoppable. Was there a moment in your life that made you realize that it doesn't matter what comes at me, I'm going to do it and I can achieve it? Moments. We'll add an S to that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it's, Honestly, I look back and wondering what that was, but a lot of entrepreneurs, I think yourself included, Karina, from the amazing work that I see you doing and your drive and passion. It's just, I feel like, I think it also probably stems from your father, right? What I learned about him and what he created and, and his and his work is, I think it's DNA. I really do think it's, it's embedded in you. Uh, I, I think some things can be learned, but as far as that determination, that grit to keep moving forward, I think you have to have that in you. And and it's like being a general in an army. I have been faced with some of the most awful situations that I never would have intended on experiencing. And I wouldn't have been, even been mad at myself if I quit because I get why people quit. I get why people go in the corner. And uh, there were moments where I didn't know which way was up. And it's those moments where you find out you know, what your integrity is, where, you know, you find strengths that you didn't know that you had or that you even needed. And that's also those moments where you really become, you know, in my case, a man that that continues his, his consistent actions based around good morals, values, and integrity. 
you know, when I had an awful setback in 2016 where I lost everything stemming from what was the first domino was a, a drunk driver hit me, you know, I quickly could have became very bitter and angry and went and went in different path to try to survive. But I just regrouped. I, uh, I made sure that I wasn't angry with the world because part of my you know, special sauce is being open to the world finding opportunities, creating value and connecting with people like you and I, we, we, we connected. I think we built a great friendship uh, and I think we're going to do some great business together, but all of that has to be consistent behavior. You know, what you, how you act in your personal life and how you handle yourself and carry yourself and how you act in your professional life, it has to be consistent. It has to be genuine. Uh, I, I, and there was many moments where I could have made a, a quick score doing something that would have jeopardized my integrity or my own morals to, to rebuild. And I didn't do it. It would have made my life a lot easier, but I also would have jeopardized where I am today. And I could have done something that may have gotten me in trouble. So I just chose the harder, longer path on all those setbacks and all those hurdles is just to find a way to correctly overcome them and become smarter. Uh, I have a quote that I love. And coincidentally, it's my quote is that you can be an overnight success if you wake up the next morning a little smarter, stronger, and wiser. And I don't attribute that to money. I attribute becoming a success as a human being, as evolving and helping people, you know, doing what you can to help somebody. It doesn't have to just be handing out money. It could be making a connection. At the end of the day, for me, it's just giving somebody my time. Yeah. Because uh, if somebody gives me their time, I respect the hell out of that. And I, and I do what I can to give them some of mine in return. Um, so that's, that's been my, my mm -hmm. MO from eight years old. I've been working and I'm a worker. If I had to go dig a hole for 12 hours a day, I would dig the best damn hole I could. And that would be my pride and my mark on this planet. But, you know, my, my journey continues to evolve and I become more and more into things and new industries and markets that never would have thought I've been in. But I'm taking all those learning experiences, all that uh, relationships and resources and applying it into new markets. And to me, that's fun. And creating value is what I love to do. Honestly, I resonate so much with what you're saying when you mentioned that you have to be very much in line with who you are in business and who you are personally. Um, I, I, I truly 100% believe that the most successful people really are in alignment with that. And, you know, you don't have to take the easy routes that are going to negate it away from what your integrity, your integrity is, your morality, like what you believe. And that is a really, <clears throat> you know, and I'm sure you've seen it. There is so much of that in business, right? You take the easy way out yeah. and instead you want it for the long haul. And the way that you achieve something in the long, for the long run is to build a very strong foundation that when things or moments, difficulties, hardships hit you, your foundation is unmovable because you have built it so strong that there is nothing that you can't rebuild from that point, right? Because you are somebody of integrity, you're someone of worth, you're someone of value, you're someone that people can trust. And so let's say you lose all of your fortune, you would be able to rebuild that because of the connections you have, the relationships you have. You are essentially very unstoppable in that sense as well. So you had mentioned though, that you started, you know, working when you were eight years old. I, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your, you know, background to 
that had led you to become this entrepreneur? Yeah, I come from a, a family legendary in the beauty industry. So my dad in the late 60s became a hairdresser. He did like Barbara Streisand's hair, Miss America. His his um, experience in that industry began kept beginning to evolve. He then had the largest uh, and like how you ever go into a Macy's, they have the counters. He had the largest counter in Grant's department store for beauty and stylist, um, you know, women getting wigs and their hair done. I think there was over 200 of them. Then he built uh, the first of its kind, really, a beauty distribution with stores in the 70s and 80s. So what you see now, like a Sally's or an Ulta or a Sephora, uh, my dad did that before anybody where professionals and uh, consumers can go into a store and actually experience beauty supply products and learn about them. Great staff there, great products. Uh, so you know, I was born in 81, so you know, I was always the beauty industry is exciting in, in general. So I was always involved with what my dad was doing. I'd be at the warehouse. Uh, he also had, a, he also still has a nail care company called finger mates. They were the first original nail hardener called formula 10. So, you know, just a brilliant guy, but uh, too brilliant sometimes. And uh, I think he's an alien cause he just, he calls everything. <laughs> he knows what's going to happen before it happens. So I'd be in the warehouse with, with, you know, a lot of people and, and, and the manufacturing facility taking that little Formula 10 bottle, filling it up with its formula, putting a brush in, putting the cap in, on, putting that in a little box and then putting six of those little boxes in the master case and then pack that up and ship it to, to the salon or spa or um, whoever the, the end client was. And I, I, that was a moment where I, I felt my first sense of pride. You know, when you build something, I love the idea, and this evolved into all my other industries, like the music industry especially, it really resonates with me. I love the idea of creating something from nothing and all the people that are involved in that and all the processes. And, you know, you have all these compo components that are, you know, they have their fixed costs separately. And you bring all that together and you create something that's a whole new utility or a whole new uh, solution, piece of IP, music, uh, consumer products. So I was like, this is great. And, I, and, and from that moment, I understood my involvement in that process and, and feeling pride. I think it probably can resemble maybe America in 1950 when there was that flood of manufacturing and you know, making automobiles and appliances. And I wasn't there, but from documentaries, you just saw this sense of pride about building something. And, and that always stuck with me. And from there, I just continued to, to do things. I remember my dad bought me a lawnmower like it was a present. No, he bought me a lawnmower because I was supposed to mow the lawn. So it wasn't like a gift. But then I started to bring all the kids together in the community and we're going to start a lawn business. And so I, I always look, no matter what I'm giving, I look at it as value uh, that I appreciate. And now how can I how can I earn from it? Or how can I, if I'm going to spend time with something, I want to get the best out of it. So it's either learning something or some sort of financial return where I can connect my time, my pride, and my value and have a reward mechanism, whatever that looks like. Even if it's somebody who says, oh, my God, my head just looked great. That's that's a great feeling when you're putting your time into something and, and you're and you're working. Uh, so that's that was my early on career. And then I took that concept, my dad being the first to do something different in the beauty industry. So in the late 90s, I built the first B2B, B2C e-commerce platform for beauty. So I took his know-how on being um, an originator into a new market with the stores and bringing professionals and consumers together. I just created a new medium where I built, I taught myself to code. I built a site, threw a couple of products on there. So it was great timing. We had access to great brands. And from there, I launched over 1,200 brands. Uh, I found that to be so exciting. And I was 
working with amazing women in that industry that would create a hair care product in their kitchen with their kids. And then we partnered up. I helped them launch and develop and, and, and promote their brand. And then it became successful. Then I'd see their brand in Target or Sephora. And I'd be so happy for these people. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't have done that without me. But I loved being part of that journey and helping navigate and guide them and protecting them. And that that became a new, real rewarding thing for me is to take my skill set which keeps evolving and getting better. And I obviously make mistakes along the way and utilizing that to help people. And that's what I've been doing the last five years is taking everything I built. There's now over 85 companies in my holdings. There's 150 plus joint ventures. We're operating over 25 different industries. So all that's cool. I love that. I built that. That's my little world. Now I can use that world to help startups and I even get to work with Fortune 500 companies. And it's all about creating value creating positive earnings. I don't like unicorns. I don't like BS, unsustainable valuations that hurt everybody. I like companies that we can go into a market properly with, build that product, build that piece of IP, create a piece of music, create TV or film, but it has to create money. It has to create real earnings that at the end of the year, there's positive earnings. That's a crazy term. There's cash in that company that can go back into the company to help promote it, help hire people, help yeah. create new opportunities. Not that there's no cash in that business, but there's an idea and we're going to take this idea and we're going to try to raise money. And then we're going to spend all that money. Then we're going to take the same idea and go and raise money again. That model is awful for entrepreneurs that rinse and repeat, make up evaluation, try to raise money, run out of money. I, I try everything I can to get people off that mouse, that hamster wheel, because yeah. it's so defeating. It, it, and at some point, if you don't do it right from the beginning, if you don't treat that equity like your oxygen, at some point you get diluted out of your own company. Everything you set out to do with your passion, your energy, your love, your dreams, you, it's all stripped away. You're working for investors. And inside your own company, now you've become an employee of your own company. And you, and you look back and say, what the hell happened? Uh, so I love to be that person in to, to help as many of these companies as I can, help them succeed, help protect them and give them a chance to um, to really make something of themselves. That's amazing. And this all stemmed really when you're thinking about, you know, going and working with your dad, right, to help him. So my dad, you had mentioned that he's my dad's an entrepreneur. And so I was very young as well. I was probably around the same age. You don't think about it, obviously, as a child, like how that really molds you and yeah. starts to get your mind thinking, wow, if I can come up with something on my own, I could yeah. sell it, so to speak, whether it's a skill set, whether it is a product, a service, something. And it's um, really, I, I'm excited to see, like even for myself and my children, my girls to see, you know, what does it mean to show this example of being an entrepreneur, somebody who's um, creating something for themselves, right? They're achieving their dreams and their goals and their aspirations. And, yeah. and you think like, wow, how much we are pressed upon with what we see as children. So when you started doing your little side, your side at the time of the, the beauty market, how old were you when you, when you just dove into that? Yeah. So I was working in my dad's stores, uh, since, you know, a young child. And then I was 18 when I started to design and develop technologies. Uh, so very early on, I even prior, very early on, I just got connected with 
building tech or working with technology or where the future of technology was. Yeah. So if it's building websites, I built you know wireless networks, uh, just really connected with that. And I love I love the idea of connectivity. And 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 you know as we're talking about it, and when I do these these great discussions, I start to treat it like therapy and connect <laughs> my own dots. So you're helping me connect some dots here. I've been obsessed with connectivity, especially in the beauty space when I when that was my only gig mm-hmm. was I loved two things. I loved watching people feel good about themselves. And if it was a, a cream that made them feel more confident or if it was a leave-in conditioner that allowed them to leave the house feeling a little extra oomph in their step, th- that's that's energy, right? That's good yeah. energy. Then things happen from that good energy. So I really loved – there's a business behind it, right? People had to spend money for those things because so there's costs associated with it. But I loved – that if someone could spend some money on a good product that we vetted, that we promoted, and that we sold, and it made them feel good about themselves, that was great. Then I love the connective piece of beauty where you know I was very obsessed with conversations in the household. And maybe it stemmed from my own household, but I loved what could we promote and push into the market that allows a mother to speak with a, with a daughter. And majority of the time I was focused on that, it was very majority women-based. So now men are coming into the market. They understand beauty and wellness a lot more, uh, and that continues to grow. But you know, my, my main goal was two things, packaged products where you had preventative and you also had um, restorative right, or corrective. Mm-hmm. Put those products together where a daughter can buy a package of a preventative cream to help prevent wrinkles and also another product in there for uh, for her mother or even a grandmother or older sister where it was restorative cream to help get rid of wrinkles. And that moment, I started to really get obsessed with, here's a product that allowed something to spark a conversation in the household, some connective yeah. tissue. And, uh, and then I think that was really what got me really interested early on in building wireless networks and creating connectivity. We created products. You know, one of my holdings, uh, we went after uh, connecting people in, if there was no internet or cell connection. And that was very important to me early on because I grew up in New Jersey, New York, saw those twin towers go down, and I saw Nextel and that push-to-talk radio that allowed for communication was what was used during that time because it was a mess. There was no cell tower. There was no internet connection. There was there was really no communication. Bandwidth was completely oversaturated. And I said, that's very important technology. So we created products. I You, know, you don't just... A lot of my biggest issue in life, I feel like I'm broadcasting a lot, but my biggest issue in life is that I'll go into the industry and I will get my ass kicked every which way from Sunday. And that's important. So I get really seasoned really quick. I'll lose money. I'll meet the wrong people. I just want to learn it, everything, the nitty gritty. I want to know where all the bodies are buried. So with that being said, one of them was going into the wireless connectivity business and building networks without building towers, without building Wi-Fi stations, completely software-based. And you don't really do that if you want to do it correctly and piss off the Sprints, the Verizons, the AT&Ts of the world. When I'm going out saying, you don't need any of these things. I built software that can live on your phone and I can connect with you. I can communicate with you. I can locate you in the event of a you know, terrorist attack or a, or a storm. So went into that industry and connected initially people for the music industry. I wanted to give artists and independent artists a way to make money and monetize themselves and allow them to fuel their dreams. And I'm looking at, you know, even in bars where there was a local band playing and there's 50 people in there. I'm like, there's money that could be made here. Why? We need to connect these people in a way where it's friction free and that they can easily tip or they can easily support the band. 
and help that band or that singer continue to progress on their career. That evolved to stadiums wanting this technology, and we built it. We built tech to connect all these people, irrelevant if there's any wireless or internet connection. And uh, and then I started to think uh, my stupidity started to kick in because the NFL wanted exclusive rights on it. I said, I think this can help people, and I don't want it to be something that's pigeonholed as a music tool, a sports mm-hmm. tool. And this is one of the reasons, this is a very long story. I hope we have four more hours, yeah. but this is one of the reasons why <laughs> I met so many wonderful people and, you know, and why I nurture relationships and mm-hmm. why I cherish relationships. I said, I kept all of that at bay and I went on this global roadshow on a piece of technology that can connect, locate and communicate with people in the event that there's no connectivity. And then I started talking and working with the wireless companies on how can this sit on top of your network as an insurance policy, right? Mm-hmm. Here's another tool that you can use that can help you in the event that your your consumers or your subscribers don't have any connectivity. So I started to learn how to play the game. I learned it really quickly in the music industry. You don't piss off the music industry. That's, that is what it is. You go in there and you help them make money. That's it. You don't yeah. say you're going to disrupt music because you'll end up in a, in a hole in the desert somewhere. So, then I met all these amazing people with my journey across governments, presidents of countries, amazing CEOs. And my whole idea was, here's a tool to help your employees. Here's a tool to connect with your consumer. Here's a tool to create value. Uh, and now today, all those great relationships that I nurtured over the last 20 years, it's really coming to play in, in what we've just launched. Um, but it's that connectivity piece that's so important to me. I cherish relationships. I, I message people, happy birthday. And I hope your daughter's you know, wisdom teeth came out okay. You know, I, I remember everything, and I'm genuine with people. And there's not always an ask. It doesn't always have to be an ask. The ask could be ten years later when it's the right time and there's a business moment. But if you want to, if you want to build relationships with people, you better build it right and build the foundation first. I hate when people just dive in with an ask. It's, yes. It's, it's I get it. You're hungry. You want it. I might have done that in my career, but you have to nurture that relationship. You have to build that trust. You have to build that foundation and and just be patient and wait for the right timing for it. You know, I never really pictured myself in sales or business development, branding, marketing. I really, this is kind of funny. I was obsessed with like theater and the fashion industry. And even when I became a single parent, I got into, um, I started going back to college and was um, taking like a fashion class um, because I wanted to, my brain is very, um, very creative and it just wants to build something wonderful. And I could never figure out what that meant. I just was like, okay, I'm just going to lean towards this. And, um, you know, I, I ended up getting a job working for Swarovski and, um, you know, they teach you, right, how to sell someone like a lookie. They would call it like a looker versus a buyer. And they would teach you how to do that. And I, I definitely struggled. What, 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 what was it? A watch? What was the first shoes and watch? What was the first so, thing you looked for? Um, well, so for they would have you learn like in these modules every month about like their product and how to share it with the customers and how to convert them into a buyer rather than being a look, somebody who's looking. So if you saw someone looking at a necklace, you'd kind of ask some personal questions like, what are you looking for? You know, like, is it for a 
a daughter or a wife or a girlfriend or something special, right? So that you can kind of have it connected. But I was really not very good at that. I And so you would have thought that I would have just been like, F this, I am not doing sales. But instead, I was like, you know what? I'm going to think outside the box on how to perfect this. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that I was single mom and it really worked well with my schedule. But then I started getting into like the service-based industry in, in commercial real estate. And then I started to really love um, when I had discovered like people don't want to get sold, right? Like that is literally what you just said. You're just like, it is such BS being sold and it feels terrible. I hate it. Well, it's, sure when it's not it. genuine, it's like no. food poisoning, right? It, yes. it's, it's just you reject it. So what I started to do was I, I already know that I'm somebody who can be friends with somebody who is the complete opposite of me because I'll find something that relates like i feel like i can relate with you and if it's just our energy then it's just our our yeah. energy because you know i'm just i'm a really broad person in my personality but so i started to do what you were saying this genuine energy exchange and that has been from that moment on you know over the last 10 years has been a huge driving factor of how can i help you and i want to experience this beautiful energy exchange and people don't think about that they're like well how are you so successful at um you know building a company and even through marketing and branding it's all through energy exchange even yeah. if it's online there's still energy it's 100 you, you do it better than anybody like what the audience that you've built in a relatively short amount of time was amazing, is amazing, and will continue to be amazing. Uh, and, and in some aspect, in a weird way, the business is kind of secondary to that. I don't know if you can agree with that. It's 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 building that connection. Yes. Because you can take that properly. And again, with a genuine feeling and energy behind it, you can take what you're able to do to, and apply it anywhere. And I love where you're applying it. It's then you're building a business that's just going to be phenomenal. But that same model can be done anywhere. If people believe in you and they trust you and they want to, want to be part of your journey, they'll go with you wherever you're going. And one of the main reasons I have been invited into some amazing rooms and that I keep getting invited into rooms is that my hand is never out. I never I never lay out that I'm trying to get something. I lay out what's the win-win for everybody. How do we all benefit, including if it's a product or a service, including the end consumer? How does all of that mesh where we're creating value, we're servicing the market with some need, and we're making people's lives better? And you know, if it's music, if it's a production, if it's technology, it's products, if it's a service like you guys offer, how are you making all of that better? And I, I, I don't know if you remember BASF, but it's a huge chemical company. And there was a commercial that I loved forever. They don't make the paint, they make it brighter. They don't make the cars, they make them stronger. And they had all these examples. And I always said to people, I am, I'm your BASF. Like, use me per correctly, value me and use me, but use me to make the situation better. Use me to make whatever you're doing more valuable. And you know what? Use me to make it more creative because I, like you, I'm, I love marketing. I love branding. That's my passion. I love telling the story. I love connecting with the audience. I don't like making a fad product that's just a, just a shot in the market that has no real long-term value. That's to me, that's just, that's money oriented. I don't yeah. like that. Like there's, there's products that I've sat on and, and kept alive for decades that now the market caught up and now it makes sense. So, you know, one of the biggest issues for entrepreneurs or 
creators or technology people is being too early. It's the worst feeling in the world. You know where it's going, but it hasn't caught up to it yet. Uh, so emotionally, you just get completely drained. Financially, to try to keep it alive, you get completely drained. Your family's yelling at you. Your girlfriend or boyfriend don't understand what you're doing. But you believe in it so much. But all these other people around you that aren't wired like we are. Entrepreneurs are wired very differently. Uh, and that's great. And that's why it's so important to make sure you surround yourself as best as you can with positivity. Yeah. I've had to fire people from my life, some very close to me. If you're not adding positive value to me, and I'm not a cold person, everybody goes through ups and downs. But if you're consistently toxic, negative, drain on my life, you got to go. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pray for you. I wish you the best, but you have to go. Yes. Uh, and, I'll, and I really emphasize that after my car accident when I realized I could be gone in any second. I don't need this in my life. Please go away. And, uh, you know, anybody listening, if you have dreams, you have aspirations and you want to go after something, I love that. I'm addicted to that. You can't do it right if you don't have the right inner circle of support and positivity and resources. So just um, if you're going to do it, make sure you do it right. Otherwise, you can't be half pregnant. It's not going to work. Yeah. It's so fascinating to hear this story because I remember when I first met you and even um, had conversation, but it was very minimal. And then, of course, I, you know, checked out your website and everything. Um, and I was like, wow, he's done a lot. Like, I was so impressed. And he's, you know, Thanks. has been in so many different, like, completely different industries. And now it makes sense. It makes sense because there is an evolutionary process, but you have let it happen organically where, I mean, I look at life and it's just kind of like you build these, um, you're, you're building this tower and it's brick by brick, but sometimes your brick kind of takes you over to the left, like, cause it's going to build this entire tower and you're going to go all the way around and you're going to have this experience of like, you know, <clears throat> people in the, um, media industry all the way to, you know, hotel development, restaurants, security, hemp, fashion, beauty. Like it's just, you have such a broad range, but you never pigeonholed yourself. And that's no. impressive because I think that, you know, maybe you're great at something, but you could even be even better if you broadened your horizons or just, you know, allowed certain or new people to come into your life. And it kind of organically starts to shift you into different directions. And I mean, just hearing your story up to this point, like it is very evident, right? And you're not here to run this race as fast as you can. No. You are, you know, building something that is going to be sustainable for forever. You have these really, really strong relationships. And so, you know, people who are interested in, you know, in the marketing, branding world, building relationships, you know, B2B, it's so extremely important to look at it in that picture, right? We don't look at people for the dollars. We don't look at you oh, and some, say, oh, some you're, people do. You know, some people we don't. Exactly. But the people who are creating a long lasting um, brand, a long lasting opportunity, business, just their mark on the world. It could just yes. be so simple as that. It, 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 if you look into what's in your bank or what's in your driveway or what's on your wrist, I think you're lost. And there was moments in my life that I thought that those things were important, um, but I never, I never 
chose that to be my vice. I don't care about those things. But if if you're chasing those things to prove your worth to yourself and people, then you're going to be chasing them forever. Mm-hmm. And, and I often say I could wake up every morning and, and compare myself to Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and want to jump off a bridge. That's that's unrealistic. That's not attainable. But I can compare myself to my previous days worth of work and actions. And, and did I accomplish something? It's very important for me to accomplish something. It doesn't have to be, again, the dollars in the bank don't have to go up or down. It's just, did I provide value in that day? And and did we really move, did we move an inch forward? And I love those little steps because if you move an inch forward, 30 days later, you look back, you move 30 inches. And then 12 months later, you move, I'm not going to do the math, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's it's important. It's very important. And people need to appreciate the small wins uh, you can have a home run here or there. I've had many a strikeout. So just those little wins add confidence that you need. It makes you feel self-worth. It makes you feel valuable. Uh, and you know, back to your statement of not being pigeonholed, I have basic business principles, and I see you do it, amazing, that can be applied in any business. Mm-hmm. It's just there's sound strategies and philosophies that I always do and implement, and you just apply that to every industry. Exactly. Uh, the other thing that was important with the last two years, if I had one thing and I did that one thing good, but because of COVID and political nonsense and economic BS, if that one thing had zero demand and we saw a lot of people go through this, you're out of business, you're lost, and you're, go- and you're, you're gone. The market doesn't want you. So the fact that I and people like me that have access to all these different companies and partnerships and people – you can look at all that and start to just do peanut butter and jelly and connect the dots on what does the market need right now? And can we get something out quickly, correctly and service that need and keep everything afloat? Uh, so Monday morning quarterback, I am very grateful that I have my hands in what I used to call control chaos. I built a world of so many different industries and companies and products. Uh, and thankfully, because of that, we created amazing things uh, over the last two years that grew our businesses, grew our reach, grew our awareness. Uh, but because we didn't stop and cry about it, life is going to smack you in the face as, as many times as possible. Mm-hmm. And that devil is going to peek his head out every time you're doing something good and you're on the right path. Everything possible is going to be thrown at you to try, try to jeopardize that and take you off your path. I've experienced it many times. So just um, when things are going good. Stay focused because interesting uh, little carrots are going to be dangled in your face to try to get you away from that. And that's that's not the right move. So always take a moment, breathe, do 11 minutes of Wim Hof breathing before you make any major decisions and make sure you, you stay on your, your, your path because when it's good, things come out. You out of nowhere to try to try to ruin it for you. I feel like you're in my brain because every time I'm like going to ask a question, like you pivot into <laughs> And to saying that, so, no, it's great. It's wonderful. This is what I, real life, right? Like we, you're an entrepreneur, you yeah. are building companies, but yet there's also a human that's managing all of this, right? Like you yeah. as a human being have these goals that are business that have a lot of analytics measurements, like, you know, how are you going to, you know, deadlines, those types of things that you can measure. But then the things that you can't measure is really your human life, right? As, a, as an individual, Absolutely. you have, you know, things where, and you had mentioned that at, back in 2016, you were in this horrific car accident that really derailed you to a point where 
you know, people don't look at that. They just, they do see your website, which has all your credentials, everything you're about and all, you know, you're just this kick-ass person. But along the way, you're like, I also at the same time was driving this vehicle that I was, had moments of struggle. I had moments of failure Mm -hmm. and we don't think about how do you drive the two vehicles at the same exact time? You don't say, well, because my personal life, you know, you know, for me, I've had divorce, I've been single parent, you know, multiple kids I've had where, um, extreme financial loss, devastation, and, you know, at the same time, you're like, well, I got to keep this one going. So this one doesn't stop. You just keep going. It's in parallel with each other. Um, and, you know, that's you bringing that up. Once again, it's like such a, a beautiful, like full circle of showing this is this is what it's like to be an entrepreneur. Right. You go through your hard times, but you they may hurt and they may be painful and you're still juggling them at the same time, but it's still possible. You still have the ability to be a very successful person in what it, whatever it is that you want to achieve. Yeah. I may have, uh, I may be a kick-ass person and thank you for that, but I definitely have gotten my ass kicked and still do every, every chance that it can happen. And I'm grateful for those moments because when somebody tries to steal from me or tries to do a maneuver on me, I, I, I spin it as a positive because there's just so much great things happen and I can't get consumed into that moment as a negative. I often thank the person for showing me a vulnerability that I still have in my, my model. Say a prayer for them because at the end of the day, the better off that that person is that's not ready for like mature life yet and is a little emotionally broken, the better off that they are, I know I'll never hear from them again. So I want people that are bad, I'll put that in quotes, bad to do well because I, I don't need them in my life. And the other part you mentioned as far as you know, the, the car accident and all that, I'm also very grateful for that. That woman hit me head on, Nashville, four-lane highway. Um, I should have been dead. Now, interestingly enough, the, a car behind her for many minutes were calling 911, reporting her, but they were blocking traffic. So when I got hit and spun across her lane, in a real situation, I should have gotten hit by another car and my airbags were already deployed and that would have just been it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I wasn't my time. I'm thankful she hit me because she could have killed somebody. So I will take the hit. And she also forced me to completely reanalyze my entire world because I was I was last eat. Many entrepreneurs think it's good to be last eat. I was one of those for 15 years. And by last eat, I mean, when money comes in, you, you think you're doing good, you're taking care of everybody else. And if there's any crumbs at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, you either take them for your own needs or you reinvest them into, into the businesses. Uh, and because I was last to eat for 15 years and that beauty company was doing tens and you know, we, we wound up doing, let's say, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, uh, there should have been a lot of profit there. But my mind was always reinvesting, taking care of people, paying all their health insurance, I was spending $60,000 a year on, on free lunches for employees. Like I always wanted to take care of people. Yeah. That moment happened. I couldn't find anybody uh, professionally to help me. If they knew they weren't getting paid, they were gone. Very disheartening. Very hard pill to swallow, especially when you're doing everything you can to take yeah. care of somebody. And uh, secondly was I, I just knew I had to learn how to value myself. And that was an interesting process for me. I, I had to rebuild with less than nothing, which is why I like doing these talks and sharing my story because I built something great. I had 30 or so companies in my holdings at that time. 
uh, and now it's up, up north over 85 and, and it was the wrong model. It was not valuing me first. Now I value me first. So here's the good thing about that. I'm not stupid about valuing me first. I don't value me first and go buy a Lamborghini <laughs> or I don't value me first and take a picture of me boarding a private plane on Instagram mm -hmm. and thinking that that's success. By valuing me first and having an arsenal or, or pool of resources, if I was ever to be in that situation again, I can keep things afloat. Or if I want to grow a company or I want to start a company or I see a new opportunity for a market, I'm the bank of that company with my other potential investment banking arms. Yeah. So if I, if I paid myself correctly during those 15, 16 years, uh, a, a healthy, normal salary, there would have been an arsenal there, arsenal there to, uh, to keep me afloat while I was dealing with recovering. But again, I'm grateful because I just would have kept going down the wrong road with the wrong model. So um, going forward, you know, entrepreneurs go into a market, create a product or service, start small. You don't have to go and get a thousand clients. Get one customer. Get one customer, prove it, make money with it. If you can make money with one customer, then you can replicate it. You can scale it. You can grow it. You can grow it at a normal grassroots way. And, and build it correctly. And then when the time comes, we need a really big injection of capital from somewhere. You'll easily get it. You, and it's growth capital. It's not capital for the hope of growth. It's growth capital. It's very easy to get. Yeah. Um, anyway, I can go on for 14 hours on that point. But I wanted to touch on, on the importance of valuing yourself, which I did very wrong. And, and everybody should, should um, you know, the other key thing about valuing yourself is, is the emotional reward. You should feel good about earning. You should feel good about taking from your hard-earned time, work, and efforts. And and if again, if the company needs money, you lend it to the company. There's 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 me there's mechanics there where you should pay yourself if you're a founder. And, and and I think uh, I want to see more of that. It's not selfish. It's the right thing to do. I think it, what you said was totally spot on. Money. Money isn't a bad thing, but it is also, right? Money is a great thing. Money allows time freedom. Money allows you to do great things with other people and help, give back, create job opportunities. But at the same time, you know, if I say, okay, well, I want to enjoy it, right? What does that mean? Does that mean I go buy the most expensive, whatever it is, right? You know, well, enjoy it, but enjoy thoughts, it privately. Like, enjoy it because uh, you want it or you want yeah. it with your family. Don't enjoy it and share it with the world and alienate yourself and create animosity about you doing well. But it's, it's a big disconnect there with, with, with social media and what people think is appropriate yeah. and what's not. Being wise with your money, right? Where are you reinvesting it? Are you taking time to, to check out of, you know, your busy life? Um you know, sometimes we get in this this thought mode that the least amount of time I take to like kind of even if it's like a day that you're like, hey, I just need to have a moment, go to the spa, mm -hmm. rejuvenate. You know, you've taken that time for yourself to um, be your best self, right? It doesn't mean that oh, that means I've got to go buy X, Y, and Z, but yet you're taking time to help your spiritual self. Yeah. So I am curious, though, I know I could speak to you for hours oh, now. Thank but, you. Um, right back at you. Mindset. You seem to, to talk a lot about, you know, you and how you focus on what you find important. But do you believe in mindset and creating opportunities through through that? Meaning having a healthy mindset or a well-balanced mental health type of situation? So it's something that you focus on, like, 
for instance, is it, um, you know, mindset is if you know that if you think about creating a healthy mindset of how you look at fear, how you look at failures, how, you know, you view, you know, certain things coming into your life that really could derail it. You know, is that yeah. something that you practice on a daily basis or do you feel like it's just like a, an, like a innate nature that comes to you organically, naturally? Yeah, a little bit of both. What I find very interesting as part of my value in this chapter of my life is I was, uh, for most of my career, the go-to guy, one of the reasons why I know so many people, the go-to guy, people would call me to help them fix a problem. Um, maybe it's the Sicilian in me. I don't know. But <laughs> they... Uh, uh, and I used to laugh. I'm like, if you're calling me, you have nobody else left to call. And then I realized there's a lot of value in the way that I think. I think differently. I always stay within the boundaries of the law, but I think differently. I can I see solutions very quickly, and I also can articulate it and, and come in. And I always think there's a resolution. I always think we can resolve problems. You know, I, I love being that guy too, where we can just, all right, guys, everybody and girls, yeah. put your guns on the table. Let's fix this. Come on, cut it out. Like, you know, I can be that that person in the room and have everybody just breathe. So it's so important just to breathe. Don't I can't do anything about what somebody did to somebody in 1998 and that you're not letting that go. That's your own problem. I can't fix that. But what I can fix is how do we go forward from here? But if you're going to be carrying this stuff and, and on things that there's no way in hell that you can ever go back in time unless you're Doc Brown with the, the Back to the Future machine. <laughs> uh, and don't go back in time because you may make things worse. And we've seen yeah. that. Like just just think about today and you'll be very lucky if you're here tomorrow. And and how can we just create peace? And how, how do we create some kind of resolution? So that I love. And I loved for a long time being the problem fixer. And I still love that when I get those calls. And they typically come from my bankers or accountants or legal because they have a client that have a situation. Mm -hmm. And they all know how I work. I just need to hear the story. And I, and I tend to have an interesting fix. Now, the, the real value that I love is I don't want to fix problems anymore. I want to prevent them. So my mindset is knowing what not to do and there's more value and there's more worth in knowing what not to do than knowing what to do what to do is fun and exciting and you, and you go and do it but if in that model of variables you know what not to do well you can sometimes you can't put a price tag on that because that what knowing what not to do can put you out of business can put you in jail can get you in a lot of trouble so that's my been my mindset preventing that's been my yeah. mindset right now and you that's great it's, all, it's also i don't mean to speak over you but it it, it can be very there's another reason why i love my world i built a world where i invite people in mm -hmm. and i'm very transparent on how we work and this is this is the rules and i use the word rules loosely it's fun it's exciting it's full of energy i'm no longer brought into other people's worlds and they use me for their value and their growth and i'm chasing them for for what to do but it's very difficult to have any mindset like the one that I have. I think you have, a, from what I can see and what I know about you, you have a phenomenal positive mindset about you. But that could be derailed at any moment if you have a partner or a situation where they're not listening to you, they don't understand you, you can get your point across. You have the best. You can be the, uh, you can be the Dalai Lama. It doesn't matter. You can, it'll break you. So for me to be successful in how I want to live my life, and how I want to prevent things, I don't need to explain it to people. They need to know what my role is. This is what I'm here to do. I'm here to provide value. I'm here to protect the entire ecosystem or that company or those equity holders. But they have to let me do what I do. 
or, or leave me the hell alone. Don't bother me. I don't need it. Like if you, if you're not going to let me do what I do, then there's no reason in talking. It just doesn't make any sense. You don't, you don't put the best pitcher in the world in right field and, and not utilize them for their strengths and, and what they're effective at and what they're good at. So, and what I love about growth and you may be experiencing this too, being that we're in the same age bracket is I'm at an age now where I knew all these things at 20. Mm-hmm. I knew all these things, I think at 10, which is, which is not easy to live a life being an old soul and knowing these things. But at 20, being in a room of 50, 67 year old seasoned people trying to get your point across, even though you're the right point, it's impossible. It's not worth your time. But now at 40, with a track record of good and bad, I can I have a voice. And I, and I love my voice. And I say what I feel. And if I don't like the room, I get up, I leave the room. I don't need to be around people that I don't want to be around. And, and that may sound obnoxious, but it's my life. And I want to be surrounded by people that I want to be I surrounded it. by. I 100% support that. Because coming out of the restoration industry, personally for me, and just what kind of have to do there's a game behind it all in the commercial real estate world in the like property management and i got to a point where i was like i don't play this game i'm real i'm authentic and you know i literally just was like i'm done i I, that's when i ended my career in um restoration and i didn't want to get back into into that space personally just because it was too hard for me to not be someone who doesn't play games like this is serious like i want to help you and i want to be the best resource for you but um if you want to play games with me that's just not going to happen let me um, let me ask you a question on that else. point yeah, let me ask you a question on that point not to interrupt you because uh, i know your spirit and soul is always in the right place don't do you ever often find people tilting their head with your way of doing business thinking that there's a gotcha and they don't understand you're just trying to do good business and there's no gotcha. Like you're just a genuinely decent person. But I've, I've been in, in situations where people are just trying to find mm-hmm. how I'm trying to get over on them. And yeah, those moments is funny because they wind up getting over on me if I let them in my life. But I'm curious if you find yourself trying to prove your your genuine good behavior and, and, and the real business that you want to accomplish with somebody. So I'm noticing it with in the construction space. Um, you know, we, we actually had someone say, you know, in, in the cleaning space, there's a lot of change orders. So what they do is a cleaning company will submit, you know, a really low ball bid because they're in janitorial. And because we specialize in construction cleaning, one of our things we really try to focus on is to not do change orders, right? What we say and what your pricing is, is what you're going to get. And we're telling you, you're going to get X, Y, Z. We write it out for you. It is clear as day. And um, we'll still have people saying, why are they not submitting change orders? Why? Like they're so confused by it all. Or, you know, them, you know, we get questioned about the pricing and it being competitive, but yet we're not lowest market. And we'll tell them like, well, we know that you experience change orders. And they're like, well, are you really going to do what you say you're doing? And, you know, you seem too good to be true. And we're just like, that is so strange. Like, do you want to be nickel and dime? Or do you just want to have a straight across like transparent relationship? So, yeah, I mean, in the construction space, that's kind of what what we see like as a company, because literally I try to mimic the company along with my business partner to be who I am, 
who he yeah. is. We're authentic. We're genuine. We are, you know, transparent people creating a business to be exactly the same. And yes, I, I think that some people are kind of like heads turned a little bit. You know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Real life is, are they really this nice and yeah. good? And you're like, yes, actually it's true. Like why, why can't you build a business based off of the reality of, you know, what they say they are, but yeah. too many people have been jaded. Too many people have been hurt, scammed. But I think that if you pay attention to the red flags and the consistency, you can see right through it versus other companies yeah. where you're not seeing a red flag. Why are you going to throw a red flag there when it's not needed? That's just my thoughts on that. Well said. No, I agree. 100%. Um, okay. So I'm so excited about one. This is going to be the last topic we talk about, but I'm really, oh, really excited about it. Come I know. We're going to have a part two. A part two for Definitely. sure. Definitely. So you are, you know, of all the things that you are doing, and I'm sure you have a gazillion other things you're doing as well, but one of the very <laughs> exciting things is that you are in um, the crypto, digital, and uh, Bitcoin uh, NFT world. So yep. I'm like trying to name all of these technology <laughs> things. All the buzzwords. Metaverse. Yes. Don't forget metaverse. Metaverse. And I am so excited to be a part of that now. So I was invited to be um, on the whitelist for BAPS. And so I would love for you to share more about that. I know that, you know, it's going to launch here soon for the public. And how exciting, because I feel super freaking thrilled You're, about you, this. You got the Wooly Wonka ticket, so, yes. and you earned it. That's You're out there promoting it. You earned it. You're out there working it and, sh and sharing the Bapes, Bapes clan community. Uh, so before I touch on that, let me just touch on two other points. So in my holdings, there's a company called Nodal. I work on a head of partnerships for them. Uh, great team. We built the world's largest wireless network, uh, connecting millions of devices around the world. Uh, and we are on path to connect the next trillion things. So why I bring that up? Because it's the evolution of where we are with BAPES and all the great things that we're doing. Uh, so uh, Nodal created a mechanism called Nodal Cash, which is an app you can download on your Android or iPhone. And you can walk around and earn Nodal Cash cryptocurrency. So we made it very easy for anybody around the world to earn. And by earning, you allow us to connect to IoT devices around your phone. So it's your refrigerator, or a scooter, or a radio, headphones, anything with a Bluetooth chip broadcasting out data. And our nodal technologies on your phone, think of Pokemon Go. You passively pass by. It collects that little packet of data. We use your phone in a very secure and private manner to send that data to the cloud. And for that, you earn nodal cash and you're, you're in crypto. So we made it very user-friendly for whether you're 10 years old or 7 years old to be in this space. Perfect. Then that carried over into me being uh, part of my other coveted, most coveted holdings, a company called Turncoin. So Turncoin uh, is a registered SEC digital security and the owners of virtual stacks. And I can't wait to get you up on the virtual stacks. It's the ability for anybody to uh, buy a virtual share of their favorite celebrity, influencer, entertainer, musician, singer, artist, so on and so forth, business person. So we have the full support and investment from the likes of Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, David Meltzer, Randy Jackson, and we'll keep continuing to announce amazing people that are part of this uh, core journey with us. So people that have large audiences like Patrick Mahomes, he can issue his virtual shares on the Virtual Stacks app. His tens of millions of fans and followers can buy his virtual share. I'll make up numbers. Let's say they went out for $50. And so he had a million shares that he sold. So he brought in $50 million. He can monetize his popularity. Uh, and 
uh, he gets 90% of that. So all that work and effort of creating a, a fan base and having fans around the world, he can properly monetize that. He can use that money for his foundations or charities. The other 10% flows up to TurnCoin that registered SEC uh, digital security and all TurnCoin equity holders or, or uh, yeah, SEC equity holders share uh, and a revenue share of all that money that comes in. So there's this, there's the angle if you're very well established and popular and uh, an authority in the space. Where I love it is the angle of the rest of the 99% of the world where they can issue virtual shares of themselves. So think of a GoFundMe and that person going public and their, their friends, family, peers, uh, classmates, teachers, coaches can buy virtual shares of them to help fuel their passions or careers. So if they want to be the next Billy Joel, they can issue some virtual shares, maybe get some money for piano lessons. If they want to be the next uh, you know, Michael Jordan, they can sell some virtual shares, get the right pair of sneakers, go take classes uh, or, or you know, train and practice. So that can be applied, obviously, in every industry. Now we carry over into BAPES, which you talked about. BAPES and the BAPES clan, over the last two weeks, we quietly just launched a Twitter and a Discord and a, and a one simple splash page splash page website bapes b-a-p-e-s dot x-y-z that's our official website bapes clan are our official handles on on twitter and uh and we were the first nft project to properly launch on linkedin which we're driving a tremendous new community there for business professionals to understand the nft market in our project uh so do you want to keep going on about this i feel like i'm t- talking too much i no, can give you the I love whole it. it's honestly okay. such great information because you know, for me, someone like me, for instance, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that, you know, it's kind of hard to follow. And I get just so consumed in, you know, the paper money, right? And yeah. and in building my business, being a mom, all the things. And so, you know, to take the time to actually, you know, look more at BAPES and to learn about, you know, the potential there. And yeah. also how easy it really was to go in, sign up and do all of that. Um, it, I That's where I'm saying I really appreciate that because it's very thorough an explanation. Um, you can find a lot of information on how, you know, it's worth the value, um, how to become yeah, a we're the, we're the only. Yeah, I think I think we're changing. I know we're changing the game on how these NFT projects roll out. So the the BAPES concept is 10,000 NFTs will drop later this month. Uh, so be careful. There's a lot of uh, mimics out there saying that they're BAPES because we have such mm-hmm. great success. So don't buy any BAPES-related NFTs anywhere. Uh, yeah, just be very, very careful. The, uh, the information will come directly from our official channels. And we launched an NFT project that has real utility. We, uh, we have a great core team, Eric Lidecker. Uh, these are my co-founders, uh, Brian Brew. We have Mike Padilla, we have Mozaria, and we have NFL defensive uh, player from the New Orleans Saints, Cam Jordan. So incredible core team that give this project credibility. A lot of these NFT projects, one and specifically Board Yacht Ape Club, was, is a phenomenal success. And these things are selling for millions or tens of millions of dollars. Nobody knew who was running that. Two days ago, they did a whole story about who the founders were, and they started to release that information. And they've been out for a long time. So we believe we triggered a movement. And these, again, these are basic business principles that I always do, create credibility. So we created instant credibility with an NFT project based on some great people that are involved. Create a good story. Our mission and roadmap is is phenomenal. The 10,000 NFTs that sell to BAPES clan members, they're part of something. They're part of a movement. And the movement is amazing. If you've watched BAPES clan on Twitter, if you've seen people 
going out and printing flyers or doing special promos or doing amazing artwork on top of our our artwork. Our artwork is designed by 50 plus of the best animators and designers from Disney, Pixar, 21st Century Fox. That's all being led by Daniel Sheik, who's uh, out of Dubai. If you look at NFT artwork, a lot of people say, what the hell is that? It's a stupid little GIF image. Ours is the most badass I've ever seen. And I hope other companies continue to elevate it and create it even more badass. Then the fun part is we have 25 business ambassadors. That's the term BAPES, where it comes from. We have business ambassadors. What we believe are 25 of the most amazing, inspiring, motivating business entrepreneurs from around the world. They all have a specific set of skills to help protect this project, give this project credibility. But the money that comes in from the NFT sales, it goes into a DAO. And then we take that resources and we go and we support projects in the metaverse. So they're Web 3.0 metaverse NFT related projects that the community vote on. It's not top down anymore. I, I love the term top with. We are top with. A project comes into the Bapes Clan Meta Fund. All NFT holders vote on which projects gets the support. The one that gets the most votes, like American Idol, that's the project we go after. And it gets the support of the Meta Fund, but then it gets the support of all the business ambassadors. That's that's something that money can't buy. You're talking about people like Larry Namer that co-founded E. You have Ricky Sinemer who who was an originator in private aviation. So he's on he's one of our business ambassadors with Starjets. We announced a partnership in the, uh, with Bapes and Starjets. We're going to bring those over 15,000 fleet of private jets that Starjets has access to, digitize them, bring them into the metaverse where people can experience those private jets in the metaverse. Something that's they've never, you know, people have never been able to experience. Then those business jets or those jets are owned by typically very wealthy, affluent business people, athletes, entertainers, celebrities, influencers. You might be sitting on that jet in, in VR with one of those people as a Bapes NFT holder. My mind says that's all cool. The metaverse is the future, but how do we bring it back into real life? You still have to experience things in real life. So in that Star Jets example, maybe as a Bapes NFT holder, you have special perks, pricing, and privileges to those jets in real life. And maybe in real life, you'll be sitting with those jet owners because we're creating value. We're creating utility. Same thing applies to the hotel and hospitality industry. Ken, who you know, EV Hotels, we're launching the Crypto Hotel. He's a business ambassador on how we can connect the two worlds. Same thing with Raul Leal. He's the CEO of the One Hotel, Baccarat, and Treehouses. So doing real-life experiences, connecting it with the metaverse, creating real utility. At the end of the day, my goal is, or our goal as a community, is that if you get a Babes NFT, you are never, ever, ever, ever going to want to sell it because of all of the access, perks, privileges, and experience that come with it, along with, you know, it should be in high demand. So if something's in high demand and there's only a limited amount, then it should be considered very valuable. Yes. Now, I'm very, very excited. I'm really glad that you did give a good explanation because, like I said, not everyone who's going to be listening to the podcast is, you know, really going to understand and and have almost like a sense of fear like I have because I'm like, it doesn't make sense to me, so I don't really get it. But this really did. And for me... I'm really excited that this is really going to be my first part of being in this journey. And I'm excited to be honored to have you you guys. So thank you. Anyone's listening. It is going to drop the end of the month. So just be following Brian, really follow Brian. He's going to, you know, give you all the information on, you know, when to and how to become a part of it. Um, Speaking of that, Brian, 
Will you yes, share Karina. with our listeners, like how can they find you? Yes, I, I try to make myself as accessible as possible. So Twitter is Brian J. Esposito. Uh, same thing on LinkedIn, Brian J. Esposito. The corporate website is eie.rocks, so eie.rocks. I get back to everybody as quickly as I can. I appreciate anybody reaching out to me. I think it comes from a place of strength when you stop what you're doing and make contact or want to share something with somebody. So you'll definitely get my response. And if I can't assist you in whatever that may be, I'll always try to point you in the right direction. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I really do appreciate you sharing you know, your journey, your story, and then also the fun things that you're now, you know, involved in. And well, like now I, we are. I know, now and now I involved. get to be a part of it as well. So I'm super excited and thank you. Thank you so much, Karina. Okay. And congratulations on the new show. I can't wait. It's gonna be exactly as it's titled, Unstoppable. Thank you, you are unstoppable. That's why you were on here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining us this week on Unstoppable. Make sure to visit my website, kranaburton.com, where you can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts, so you never miss a show. While you're at it, make sure to leave a review. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, at Karina Burton. And remember, your past and current circumstances do not define your future. Keep chasing after your dreams into reality.